Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trade in the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of different things, but the main thing we're talking about are stop losses. We're going to talk about two different approaches that I would say 95% of us probably fall into the category of, of those who actually use stop losses and adhere to them. The other topic that we're going to talk about is just some conviction in trades. When you have some pretty good runners and that momentum starts to wane a little bit, what do you do there? So we're going to talk about both of these topics in this podcast episode. So the email that I'm using today comes from a guy we're going to call Ricky. He's a previous emailer to the show, and that's the name he used last time. We'll use that one again. Ricky writes, hey, Ryan, been a while since I sent you an email, so I figured I'd ask some questions that I have been curious about. I've taken plenty of trades since I began back in May, and man, I honestly really enjoy swing trading. I'm still at break even, but really just working on staying consistent and nailing down my process and overall trading strategy, which feels good as of late. My two questions for you. Number one, I've heard you mention your stop loss and risk reward on setups, and it sounded like you were basing a stop loss percentage from an entry price. For example, I hopped into Rivian today. That's stock symbol RIVN. For those wondering, on December 4th, around $17.90, my stop loss is set around $16.45. From what I understand, that would be too wide of a stop loss for you at around 8%. When I calculate my risk on the trade, I've always thought it based on the total size and the amount of shares I buy out of my total portfolio value never exceeding 3%. In this example, I bought nine shares and I'm risking $1.47 a share for a total of $13.23. When I divide that by my total account value, $600, to get approximately 2.2% risk for the trade. If this was higher than 3%, I would most likely adjust my trade size. What do you think about this? Is this just a different way of looking at risk on a trade or am I missing something? Second question, I've been in a handful of trades now that have run higher but I haven't hit my target prices yet. And it's hard to tell just when I should be taking profits or just stick to my trading plan. I understand that it all depends and I should be flexible, but you always hear that line about having conviction in your trades as well. I'm sure I'll get better at seeing the weakness over time, but I am curious on how you view weakness and when you might think to take profits when you are up and the momentum seems to be slowing down. I appreciate your podcast and YouTube channel very much and hope that you have a great holiday with the family. Sincerely, Ricky. That's a good email. couple of interesting topics that I'm excited to take on here. First off, when it comes to stop losses, there's really two camps that pretty much most of us fall into. What did I say? Like 95%, something like that, I would probably guess. And of that 95%, the two schools of thought is, one, you buy the amount of shares. This is what Ricky's doing here. He's buying the amount of shares that won't exceed a percentage of risk and his total portfolio value. So there's two camps that I think most people fall into. Or what did I say about 95% or so? So that 95%, the first one, buy an amount of shares that won't exceed a percentage of risk. Now, I know listening to that might sound a little bit confusing, so I'm going to try my best to explain it. So let's say you have $100 in your portfolio that you're trading. And really, all you want to risk is like 5% of your portfolio value on a single trade. Now, what does that look like? Well, that means that you'll buy as many shares as possible to where if your stop loss is hit, it won't exceed a 5% loss of your total portfolio value. A lot of people do that. Not saying that it's a wrong approach, 
but there's pros and cons to that approach. Just like there's pros and cons to my approach as well. Now, the approach that I do is my risk is based on, or my stop loss is based on the position size and then the stop loss percentage, meaning that I have a fixed dollar amount with every single trade I make. In the other scenario, the position size is going to vary. You might be trading up to 80% of your account value on a single trade because you have the risk so tight. Whereas for me, I'm always trading like 12% about on every one of my trades. And so that risk is based off of the position size and then the stop loss. So why I say it's position size first is that's going to be the real determiner of how much I'm losing on a trade because the position size is a major determiner. If that's a, I think that's a word determiner. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's a Bushism, but anyways, major determiner of what the risk is on the trade. And then of course you have where my place in my stop loss at. So usually my stop losses range somewhere between like three to 5% on average. That means if, if I'm taking like a 5% loss, I say I use 12% of my capital on a trade. Let's make it a little bit easier for numbers sake. Let's say that with a $100 portfolio, you're using 10% of your portfolio on a given trade. So that means at the most that you stand to lose is 50 cents on your trade. Because if you're trading with a 5% stop loss and you're trading 10% of your account, that's $10 out of the $100. And then your stop loss is 5%. 5% of $10 is 50 cents. So from that account, the total risk exposure to your account is 0.5%, 0.5 of 100. So the way I do it, it's a much smaller risk to the trades. The way that Ricky's doing it, he does take on a bigger risk. So in his case, he never goes beyond 3%. So the biggest loss that he can take to his portfolio is 3%. Now, with that, you can get some pretty big gains to your portfolio as well. So if you have a pretty tight stop loss, that means you're going to be able to buy a whole lot more shares in Ricky's scenario here, again, with a tight stop loss. And then if he's right, he's going to have a huge win. The risk that comes along in that is that there's oftentimes unforeseen consequences that happens in your trades that you can't expect. Now, I'm a huge proponent, like I said, of using stop losses. I use them on all my trades. But there's no guarantee that you're going to get out at your stop loss. Most of the time, if your stop loss is hit, I'm getting hit at my stop loss. And it's not a perfect mechanism, but it's the best mechanism that I have found over the years. But the risk of it is, is that if there's an unforeseen event, and let's say something, let's say you're an Apple, right? You're in it and you have a stop loss at 3%, which gives you a lot of room for a stock like Apple typically. And let's say though they, they have, and they've done this before, they have an earnings warning and all of a sudden the stock plummets by 10%. Well, based off of what Ricky's doing, that 10% is going to hit you a whole lot harder than the way it's going to hit me. That 10% for me will be about 1% of my account, whereas for Ricky, it'll be around 10%. But if for Ricky, it could be a whole lot worse than the 1% that I suffered. He'd probably take a whole lot more because he has a much bigger position size. So like I said, with Ricky's approach, big gains, if tight, can result in some big wins because your variable is the position sizes. Your position sizes are going to fluctuate. And so with the tight stop loss, with big position size can result in big wins and big profits. But on the flip side, if it goes against you, it can get kind of ugly there. Or if there's like a downgrade or something happens where they buy out a company and your stock sinks while the other company that got bought out soars. Yeah. So there's there's pros and cons to that. And there's pros and cons to my approach too. So I'm not trying to say you can't do this or you should never do this. It's really about what are your tolerance for risk? I think the way that Ricky does it, there's the potential to have a, a blowout in your account. For me, I'm not going to have as much profit if I have 
the same kind of a winning trade because my profits are going to always be based off of that 12% position size or in the example that I gave you off of a 10% position size. So my gains are going to be more consistent. My losses are going to be more consistent. Yes, I can gap down below, like in the case of like, if there was like an earnings warning for Apple and they dropped 10%, yes, I will take a 1% hit on the overall portfolio, but it won't be catastrophic or something that I can't recover from. So with a fixed position size, I know what my worst case scenario is. That means I buy a stock and the stock goes to zero the next day or over time or whatever, which God forbid that's happened. You know, that would have to mean for me that the stock had some unforeseen event that sent it right down to zero. Kind of like what we were seeing with some of these banks during the regional banking crisis. And I know people that got their heads handed to them from the regional banking crisis. So my worst case scenario is that my position size takes 100% loss, it goes to zero, and I lose that entire position. Whereas if you're trading with major size because you went into a trade with a stop loss that was very tight in Ricky's case, then if you have something like that where it goes to zero, it can wipe out your whole account depending on how big that position was. Now, my approach, more boring, but more consistent. Ricky's, more excitement, a little bit crazier. That's why I always say, make trading boring. The, the more boring you get it, the more, the more profitable it tends to be over time. One thing that I would also encourage you guys to do is check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com gives you all of my stock market research each and every day. That's going to include daily watch lists, master watch list updates each week for bullish and bearish stocks. Plus, you're going to get updates throughout the week on big tech. You're also going to get trade reviews. Plus, you are going to get updates on the general market as well. So check that out. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com, super cheap, and you're supporting this podcast as well. Now, the second question, he's in some trades, they've made some good runs, but they haven't hit his target just yet. He's worried that if he doesn't stick to his plan, he doesn't have that conviction for his trade. Now, one thing I would say is I don't have any conviction in stocks. I don't. I don't. I go into every trade, I assume that I'm going to lose. And I don't assume that <laughs> the stock is looking out for my best interest. So I don't have a conviction about stocks. But I do have a conviction in my approach to trading. And so there's a difference between that. One is, my approach to risk management, how I take profits, that's what I have a conviction in. I don't have a conviction necessarily in stocks overall. I'm very leery of stocks in general. I know the kind of disaster that they can create for you. And I think a lot of people that are trading don't have that same respect. But what I would say about target prices is target prices don't require you have the same conviction as you do about stop losses. Target prices are more guidance per se. I always say that I base my target price off of what is the path of least resistance where there's a meaningful profit that can be had without having to encounter a lot of resistance along the way. If I can identify that, then that's where my target price is going to be at. But it's not fixed in stone. Sometimes you start to see where a stock might start to struggle, maybe after you're up 3 or 4%, and you have a price target of 15%, you're like, good chance with how overbought this market is or how this market's been behaving of late, it never sees that 15% anytime in the near term. So you have to adjust your expectations some. But target prices for me as well comes down to whether or not my risk reward on the trade going into that trade merits me buying that stock. And so the, the target price helps me to determine the potential reward versus the risk that I'm willing to put on the table to make that trade or to hopefully realize that profit target. But if you reach your target price, doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get out of the trade. A lot of people, they hit those target prices and they get out of it completely. And then they watch it just keep going higher. Like, man, why did I ever sell it? Well, 
I would tell you that stocks don't care what your target price is. They don't even know what your target price is, so they're going to go wherever they want. It's a guidance for you to be able to determine whether or not it's a good trade to get into in the first place. So along the way, on a trade, I like to take profits. I definitely like to take some profits at a target price, but if I'm hitting my target price, rarely am I selling it just on the spot, right? Oh, I hit my target price, I'm out. No. What I'm usually doing is I'm trying to ride that thing as long as I can. Oftentimes by the target price, that's usually where I'm taking my my second chunk of profits off the trade. And then I, I'm left with this like ride or die position, like the last third of a position that I'll try to let run wild there and then see how high it'll go. Sometimes it'll blow right past the target price and go even 10 or 20% higher. And if it does, that's great. I want to be along for that ride. So target prices, don't put too much faith once you're in the trade and those target prices. If you see a stock that you're in and it's starting to struggle some, it's starting to break down technically. One, as the stock increases in value, there should be some increase in the stop loss. If I'm up 20%, I'm probably not going to keep my stop loss at its original negative 5%. I'm scooting it up along the way. Now, as I get more profits off the table, it affords me to have a little bit of a wider stop loss as well because I've secured so much of the profits. So that last ride or die, I have a lot more room. Maybe I'll have like a 10% margin to work with from where the current price is to where it would take me out on the trade. But that's after I've already you know, bagged two-thirds to 75% of the overall profits on that trade. And then I let it keep going higher and higher. But at some point, walk away from the trade, even if it hasn't hit your target price. It doesn't have to hit it. If it's breaking down technically, I don't care if I have 10% left. I don't want to be in the trade anymore. And so you want to remember that with target prices. They're, they're not something that you have to adhere to like it's a stop loss. It's really guidance for determining whether or not it's a good reward risk ratio on the trade. And targets can change as well as you get more price action. Every day, the stock is telling you a new story for the most part. You know, there's another candle there that you have to consider. And whether that not that candle in the grand scheme of things changes your perspective of the stock. It might change the perspective of where the stop loss is. It might change where you think that it has the potential to go to for a target price. So you want to keep all of that in mind. And you also want to remember the pros and cons for the different stop losses that I, that I mentioned here. Because each one has things that are really nice about it, like with Ricky's where you're basing it, the number of shares that you buy based off the overall risk on the total portfolio. Yet that's nice until something really bad goes against you on a trade. And then you could be looking at a blown up account. Whereas on the other on the flip side of things, if a trade goes really well for you, you're making a lot of money. And then my approach, obviously, it's more consistent, more boring, but you're not going to have the wild volatility typically that that you see with the other approach. So if you enjoy this podcast episode, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. That really does mean a lot to me. Keep sending me emails, ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them all. I do pretty much for the most part, unless it's a something that I just have no knowledge of. I make a podcast episode out of them. I really do like getting to hear your stories, your challenges. So send those to me, ryan at shareplanner.com and check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com as well. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. 
And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.